This message was recorded live at Plantation Seventh-day Adventist Church in Plantation, Florida. Welcome to PlantationSDA.tv. Here you will find a diverse variety of Bible-based topics and conversations. God's master plan to inspire your mind, bring peace to your heart, and uplift your soul. May you be blessed and encouraged as you listen to God's Word. Okay, are we together now? I'm excited to see all God's people one more time. Are you happy to be here? Yes. Amen. Has God been good to you this today? If you're happy and you know it, say amen. amen. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. It is so good to see so many of you out here tonight. And I know that the Lord has a message for all his people tonight. Amen. Loving Father, come by tonight, we pray thee, and speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wednesday evening, we spoke on the subject, what, what was it? Who can remember? The needs of the woman. What women need. And so tonight is the big night for the men. What men need, amen? What the man needs in the home. And tonight I'll speak in a way where there'll be no misunderstanding, amen. Very clear. All right, let's proceed. There's a great need in marriage. The marriage, marriages in the church is, is facing a lot of challenges. The divorce rate in the church is comparable to the world. And this is what I do day in, day out, speaking to couples. And I believe we have come to a time when, as a church, we must be informed and we must make a resolution to follow God's word so we can be we can have the winning edge and we can be the leader as God intends it to be. We can be the standard bearers in society for the dying hand of the world is on the threshold of the church looking for answers. For we have the answers. And so we must demonstrate to the world what great, what a great home and a great family looks like. And so what's the great need of the man? The great need of the woman is for love. Ephesians 5 verse 33. Wherefore submit yourselves one to another. Husband, love your wife. 
But it didn't stop there. Then it says, and wives, see to it that you reverence or respect your husband. And so the great need, the greatest need, this is the, distinct, this is the one scripture, the only scripture in all the Bible, the only text that distinguishes the great need between men and women. The woman feels important when loved. And the man feels validated when respected. But many people, Pastor, know this in theory. They have a mental assent to this truth, but they do not understand it by practical experience. And so tonight I will seek to break this down so we get a better understanding of what respect looks like. The first great need for the man is for admiration. Is for admiration or respect. Of course, encapsulated in respect is admiration. He needs her to be proud of him. I want to share with you a passage here, Proverbs 14 and verse 1. Proverbs 14 and verse 1. That when you get married women, your focus is to be on how to build up and not tear down the home. Amen. How to build up and not to tear down. Every wise woman buildeth her house, but the foolish, foolish woman plucketh it down with her hands. The wise woman builds her house up. We understand, yes, women, that women are responders. They respond based on the treatment of the man in most cases. But the godly woman must take, must go a little further and take responsibility that even if the husband is not performing in the way he should, then she should still maintain her dignity as a woman of God and stand up and do what is right. For she too has a duty and a responsibility before God. And so even if he's failing, you maintain the notion that your job is to build up your home and never tear it down. Build up your home. Now, we struggle sometimes, and there's a challenge. For did you know that the most effective way that a woman fails to build up her home is with her words? Amen. <laughs> her words. A woman 
is deeply emotional and she fights with her tongue. And she doesn't have to be huge. Sometimes she may be a small, she may be small in statue. But when she's ready, when she gets angry, if she does not possess the Holy Spirit of the living God, she can be a force to reckon with. And so, ladies, you must look well to how you use your tongue. What I realize sometimes, a woman does not understand how fragile a man's ego really is. It is said that a man's ego is the most fragile thing in the universe. I've been in sessions already, and the marriage is, the marriage is on the verge. They come, and it's the final day to determine whether they shall now sign that bill of divorcement. And we try to put the marriage together. And we look to the man, what do you want? The man has been beaten up so much and so long by her words that he reached a place where he got tired. Tired. And then the man said, Pastor, I'm tired. And he could not go any further. The memories, the hurt, the pain, the abuse over time. He was broken. Then you ask the lady, so, did you hear that? Then she says, what did I do? I just expressed myself. No. A wise woman does not tear down, but a wise woman build, build up her home, and especially with her tongue. Did you know, friends, that words are powerful? Or words can make? Amen. Our words can make a hell of heaven or a heaven of hell. Just our words. How we use our words. One man, he was so abused for so long, he looked at me and says, Pastor, for the first time in many years of marriage, the first time I look upon my wife and I tell you, I hated her. He was broken. Words. <laughs> Some women, they, they, they use words like missile. I don't care. I don't care. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it as I feel it and let the chips fall where they may. And I don't care. And when she's through, 
She won the battle, but she lost the war. She did a great operation, but the patient died. <laughs> Is it worth it? You think you did such a great job, but at the end of it, you lost your marriage. It's not worth it. Look well to your words. The greatest need of a man is for admiration. A man doesn't need much sometimes. You only just praise him. You just follow him with admiration. He does something and say, wow, <laughs> you did that? <laughs> Man, I know you were good, but I didn't know you were so good. <laughs> when you do that, man, he follows you like a baby. <laughs> he comes to the kitchen, honey, where are you? He said, I'm over here in the living room. He comes to the living room. You said something earlier that I was good. What did you mean? <laughs> Amen. You want to hear it again? <laughs> did you know to celebrate your husband is a biblical duty? The same way the man celebrates the wife, Proverbs 31, 28. He says, he says wife, husband, you praise her. The children arise up and call her blessed, and, and the husband also unpraiseth her. In the same way, you to praise him. Proverbs 16, 24 says what? A pleasant word. He says, a pleasant word is like a honeycomb. Sweet to the soul and health to the bones. Oh, some time ago, I did a study on the word honey. Do you know how nutritious honey is? It is said in, in, in the far eastern land, back in the day, you know, the folk would just eat honey just to heal themselves of many maladies. And your word is like the honey that heals. It says, it, it says the wrong word dryeth the bones, but the good word heals the bones. It's like medicine. Don't wait until he dies. You come to the funeral and you say, oh, he was such a great man. He was a superstar. The question is, did he know that? Maybe if he knew it, he would not have died. <laughs> did you know a lot of people died love-starved? Love starved husband, working his finger to the bones, no joy, no expression, no appreciation, no affirmation, no nothing, zero donut. <laughs> <laughs> then he goes to work, and the secretary says, Wow, you're such a hard working man. Your wife must be happy for you. He says, wow, look at you. I wish I had a husband like that. The next day, he can't wait to go back to work. 
You don't understand the power of words on a man. Spend your life affirming him. He doesn't need much. Just praise him. If he's a good mechanic, and a man sometimes he goes the extra mile to get it. He's a good mechanic, and he sees a car passing by, you know, it's the mayor's car, it's the pastor's car. Then he says, honey, come over here. You see that car? He had an he, he, he overheating problem. I fixed that engine. Then some foolish woman says, oh, you should be the mayor yourself. him but instead you say wow man that's my husband and I wouldn't trade you for any amen did you know friends that what a man want most a man wants to feel like he is your hero in other words you are his biggest fan he, he does something great he hears it from a hundred people out there it does matter to him. But when he hears it from his wife, oh, that's golden. Amen. So praise him. So the great need for a man is what? Admiration. Number two, a man needs support, domestic support. He needs what? He needs support. She creates a home that offers him an atmosphere of peace and quiet and refuge. She manages the home and cares for the children. The home is a place of rest and rejuvenation. The, woman, the man needs support. He needs peace and quiet. He needs tranquility. Did you know a man loves peace? A man likes to sometimes just enjoy his space without interruption. Why do you think so often in the scripture, Jesus, after he's still preaching, he sends the disciples away so he can have a quiet time? That's a man. Mark 1.35 says, Jesus rising up a great while before the, he went into a solitary place. Jesus is, is so much alone. For that's when he, he rejuvenates himself. And did you know that God changes us in solitude? He transforms us in solitude. A man likes his space. He likes some me time. Amen. And he likes peace. <laughs> Did you know that some man, she, he gives her everything. Uptown and downtown. Everything he gives her. And she's still miserable. I'm not talking about you people. You are wonderful people. I'm talking about like some people somewhere, you know. <laughs> She's still unhappy. He doesn't know what next to do. A man loves peace. 
Bible says, the man, he loves peace so much that when there is turbulence at home and he cannot take it, the Bible says it's better to live in the corner of the roof than with a brawling and contentious woman in a palace. You live in the White House? If you have the wrong woman, you pray. As a matter of fact, the Bible says, even in the roof, the vibrations reach you. You want to go to the wilderness to be exposed to the elements. Cold. But when there's no peace at home, it's rough for a man. So a woman should seek. It's better to dwell in the corner of the housetop than with a brawling woman in a wide house. It means a palatial house, the white house. One man, one man, he had so much problem at home. He, he ran away from his home after 20 years of marriage. And he, he, he made a little box house in the woods. And then he declared uh, for 20 years, it was the most peaceful night's rest he has had. <laughs> so a man loves peace and quiet, amen. So she, he wants support. Mutual responsibility. Build up the house. When there is issue with the money, it's not my money, but it's our money. You also know how to spend money. You don't just waste money. That makes him feel like he's working, but he cannot make ends meet. Amen. <laughs> So you're a good minister of finance. You know, many ladies, sometimes they come from a background where man is just get all you can and can all you get. Never satisfied. But you're a good minister of finance. He needs support. He needs support. She creates a home that offers him peace and quiet and she supports him. Number, number, number three. Recreational companionship. His need for a life partner. What does that mean? Watch this. She develops mutual interest with her husband. She discovers those activities her husband enjoys the most and seeks to become proficient in them. If she learns to enjoy them, she joins him in them. And if she doesn't enjoy them, she encourages him to consider others that they can enjoy together. She becomes her husband's best friend so that he repeatedly associates her with the activities he enjoys most. What does that mean? He likes to watch the football game. He has, his, he, he has what he likes, you know. He likes to play golf or he likes just to, just, just to be with the other guy, just watching the game, sometimes on the TV. Don't tell him how much he's wasting time. Don't annoy him. It's a man. Do you notice when children are growing up, the boy, when the girl might be elsewhere, the boy, sometimes outside playing ball. Is that right? Playing marble. 
outdoor. He likes that kind of outside recreational activity. It is the boy who became a man. That's who he is. Recreation for him is big. And so how do you help him? Well, if you can't pull him away from that, sometimes it's a good healthy habit to join him. Amen. Sit beside him. You don't like the, the football game, but you sit beside him. And then you say, wow, Ooh, look at that. Man, that's good. Then you ask him, you know, so what's happening there? You try to join him in it. And then he starts to tell you, all of a sudden he lights up. You even go to the football game sometimes with him. And when they get a little half time, you talk to him about some of those deep issues. It's a good time to talk to him too. And when the game starts again, you watch with him. When you come home after a while, you know what he tells his friends? Man, my wife is my best friend. I enjoy the game, she loves it too. Man, you should see my wife. That's a way to make him your best friend, amen. Join him sometimes in the recreation. In other words, you are not his enemy, you are on the same team, amen. You're a team player, so join him. He likes recreational support. Number three, let's go to number four. Number four. I want to say something here when I want to discuss this subject with you. A man likes, wants intimacy. What is it? Intimacy. Now, in other words, a man wants sexual fulfillment. I want to talk tonight about the word sex. Because as a church, sometimes I think we don't talk about it enough. Now, the point here, what I observe, it's a problem in our church sometimes. <clears throat> I remember some time ago while I was pastoring at a certain church, we had 13, one, three, 13 names. It's a big church, it was the mother church. 30 names came to the board for church discipline. Back in there, we call it disfellowship. 13. And when we inquired, we discovered of those 30 names, nine of those names were for matters relating to sex. The seventh commandment. So then I thought to myself, wow, it is an issue in our church, but why is it then we don't address it more? Did you know, friend, let me ask you this, even our children and our youth among us, suppose I were to ask the question, how many times do you speak to your children about sex? How many times a year? See, in settings, we have one person may say, well, once or twice. But on the other hand, 
Let me ask you this. How many times do, does Hollywood <laughs> portray it in their face and teach them about sex? How many times a day? Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times. If Hollywood is doing it so many times, and we are doing it once a year, Hollywood is doing it maybe ten times a day, then who will win? Hollywood wins every time. So you can understand why even in our church today, many young people are still sexually active. While we are tight-lipped on the subject, Hollywood is planning the next pornographic movie waiting for them. And so there comes a time when as a people, we must, we must let them know that sex is black and white. We, we must explain it and, de and declare it before them. First of all, for the young people, let me say this today, that when it comes to sex outside of marriage, the Bible says that fornication is sin. Amen. In other words, sex outside of marriage is sin. Just this week, in my worship, after we did the worship, you know, I said I must teach my two sons about sex. And in that presentation, I taught them about like eight, eight reasons why they should save themselves from marriage. And I teach them about sex. I let them know, the Bible says that every sin that a man commits is outside the body. But this one sin is inside the body. In other words, friends, there, is, there are more ills associated with casual sex. Sex outside of marriage than we can ever even begin to imagine. I've done the research, for example. Those in prison today, most people are in prison because they are from broken homes. And many of those brokenness are as a result of, of sex outside of God's order. Teenage pregnancy. And one is left to, to father or to mother that child alone. Broken relationship. Because they go and they have sex outside of marriage and then one disappears. And so we must teach our ladies, that's one of the disadvantages of having sex outside of marriage, is broken relationship. Teenage pregnancy. And you live the rest of your life, some of them, in pain and hurt. And they wonder, well, if somebody had just prepared me. Did you know, when we educate them about sex, they are less likely to get into pitfalls than when we don't? Amen. And so watch this now. They must know sex outside of marriage is sin. And everybody, according to God's order, has a duty to save themselves from marriage. And there are many reasons for that. If we had time, I could talk about that. One man on a college campus, young man, running around, running around with multiple partners. He contracted an STI, 
sexually transmitted infection. Then he got married, passed it on to his wife. Then after that, they had a baby who was disfigured. For the next 18 years or more, for the rest of his life, he has to look at that baby as a testimony of his outrageous life of sex, having sex outside of marriage. Friends, we must teach our children it's black and white. God does not treat it lightly. There are many young people because of sex outside of marriage. They, they got married later on and they cannot even have a child. Because the cervix is destroyed because of sexually transmitted diseases. It's not... Oh, everybody's doing it, so I can do it too. No, when they go to school, when they're the, with their friends, they must take a stand. I serve God, and I must protect my body because I respect my body. Amen. Amen. But when you get married, God's only license for sex is within the bonds of marriage. Amen. So we must teach even our young people. God has a purpose for sex. After he made Adam and Eve, he says, go, reproduce. There are many reasons for sex, but it must be done God's way. Amen. <laughs> I know I like to say, you know, sex is like a fireplace. You put a fire in your house, <laughs> If you don't put it in that container in the house, man, if it's not controlled, it burns down the house. <laughs> but if it's controlled, it brings benefit and a blessing to the house. It gives warmth in the winter, amen? That's sex. So sex outside of marriage is not permissible. But when you get married, you must understand that you have a duty to each other. Amen. I want to talk about that. Some don't understand it. Did you know that a lot of marriages fail because we have the wrong perspective on sex within marriage? <laughs> wrong perspective. Some have learned these wrong perspectives because of experiences before marriage. And then it is what is stored in our subconscious that determines how we act later. And what is stored in the subconscious is largely based on our upbringing. Some have had bad experiences. And so I'm saying if you are married and you have a bad perspective on sex, it's time to go for counseling. Amen. You must get help. You must get help. Because when you get married, did you know sex becomes a duty? Amen. You're not giving any favor. It's a duty. Did you know that sex is a great need? Is a need? Well, let's read what the Bible has to say. We just want to make the right perspective here tonight. Because, you know, friends, there are many homes that have been broken. Because folk don't understand 
the responsibility and the duty of sex in relationships. Did you know that even in the home, those who are married, sometimes they use sex as a weapon, amen? No, not you people, you know, I mean other folk, I'll show you. Yeah. As revenge. Well, you were not nice today, you were not nice today, so forget it. It's a weapon. But did you know, friends, that God takes it like First Corinthians 7, verses 1 to 5. Let's read something here. First Corinthians 7, 1 to 5. First Corinthians 7, 1 to 5. I want to share something with you. First Corinthians 7, 1 to 5. Now concerning the things Rafi wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Continue. It is if you're not married, right? Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife. And let every woman have her own husband. One of the purposes of sex friends is to avoid immorality. So don't push your spouse in the arms of another because of rejection, sexual rejection in the bedroom. Amen. It's a duty. Go further. Continue. The next one. Defraud ye not one another, except it be with consent for a time. Did you consent? If there's no consent, there's no defrauding. Amen. That's how it is. That you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer. But even after the fasting and prayer, you must come back quickly, else the devil tempts you. For your incontinency. Continue, please. The next verse. Right? In other words, and so it is important so much. Verse 3. Can you just go back to verse 3, please? Verse 3. Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence, and likewise also wife unto the due benevolence. Another version says, render him based on his need. Did you know, friends, you need water? You need food? You need air to breathe? Then he needs sex. Amen. That's how it is. It's real. As a matter of fact, let me ask you this. Why do you take your car to the garage? Why do you take your car to the gas station? Do you drink gas? Ladies, you don't have to answer. Just think with me. Do you, do you drink gas? No, you don't drink gas. But why do you take your car to the garage? Because the car needs gas. Amen. And so, friends, we must understand this, that God allows sexual gifts to avoid immorality. And there are many marriages that are being brought on the rocks. On the rocks. Because people don't understand the right perspective on sexuality. And so I say to you, friends, if there's a problem in your marriage, get counseling. Amen. Amen. One of these days, you know, I have a meeting with the couples who will talk more about that. Is that right? And so, so don't defraud, you know, run, you know, run to run away, you know, and sleep head until and all these things and so forth. Run to the other edge of the bed, you know, and the, and the man is there. Is that right? Oh, you don't understand that language. Okay. Another time when you're going home, you get it. Amen. 
But friends, it is important that we understand that God, that, that our sexuality is, is important and it is not for those who are unmarried. And therefore, they're, because there's a need even among the youngsters and they must know that, they must not be confused. And they know that God allows a proper sphere for that outlet and it is in the confines of marriage. Okay, next, number five, an attractive spouse. A what? An attractive spouse. His need for her attractiveness. She's possessed of inner and outer beauty. She cultivates a Christ-like spirit in her inner self. She keeps herself physically fit with diet and exercise. That means, guess what? When you get married, don't say, well, it's only Mass John. When you got married, he was Johnny. <laughs> but now that you are married, oh, why are you wearing that? Why are you doing that? Oh, it's only Mass John. It's okay. No. He needs you to take care of yourself too. Amen. Amen. Take care of yourself. You may not be a Cinderella, but you can make the best of what you have. In other words, we must take our marriage seriously because we are dealing, um, we, we, it has lifelong, lifelong implications. And so she cultivates a Christ-like spirit. I want to say something about that. Ladies, how is your spirit? <laughs> Did you know that one of the things a man likes is a gentle woman? A gentle woman. The Bible says what? This is the woman that is in the sight of God of great price. A meek and teachable woman. Isn't that right? Did you know some women... They will not listen. It's either my way or the highway. And they are loud and boisterous. In other words, they are rough. <laughs> you don't know those women, right? Rough. What you want. And the man wants to communicate, but she doesn't know how to communicate peaceably. Did you know that what a man likes? A man likes a gentle spirit, your feminine nature. I spoke some time ago to a lady about that, you know, and you know what she says? Well, me, no man is going to come walk over me. So me, I don't care. Friends, if you always have a fighting spirit, marriage is not for you. <laughs> always ready to fight. <laughs> then marriage is not for you. Oh, man, friends, let me tell you something. Some time ago I said it to my wife, you know. I said, sweetheart, I just thank God for you. And you know, I, I explained someone and I, and I observed something. And even this week, I repeated it in a counseling session. 
in a premarital counseling session, I said, you know, trying to explain to the folk, and especially to the lady tonight, we're talking to the women, of the importance of humility. Did you know when you have a woman with a gentle spirit, and she's humble, a man is ready to give her all that he has, and he doesn't look back. Are you with me tonight? In other words, he'll write the check, $20,000, even to take care of her family. He will build a house for her, because you know why? She gives him all that he ever needs, and that is, and that is a healthy home atmosphere. That's what a man needs. He doesn't want a woman who is always fighting with him. She never listens to him. He wants to, he opens his mouth to explain himself. And she takes over the conversation and starts exhaling. A man loves peace and quiet. Amen. And so, ladies, remember this. The woman who is in the sight of God of great price. A woman who is meek, teachable. One man explained, one man exclaimed, you know, Pastor, I don't understand it. My wife doesn't understand me. And why? Because my wife does not listen to me. Do you know that that man needs you to listen to him as well? In closing, I want to say this. A man is like a coconut. You see, he looks hard and incorrigible and unconquerable on the outside. He's tough on the outside. He appears as though he's impenetrable on the outside. But inside, there is jelly. Amen. In other words, he too is responsive to tender loving care. He too has a heart that can be hurt. He too has a heart that needs to be massaged. And so, ladies, look well to taking care of the man in your life. Amen? And so, in closing, friends, these tips, listen very carefully, these quick tips to understand about a man. You have to be obvious because men don't like hints. A man wants a woman with a positive attitude. Physical attraction is important to him, number three. Number four, he wants transparency. Number five, he wants purity. He wants it to be faithful in the relationship. A man wants safety. Did you know, friends, that if you, if you, if, if you become unfaithful in a marriage to a man, watch this, let me tell you something about unfaithfulness and infidelity. Friends, the statistics tell us that 80, 80% of the time in a marriage, when the man is unfaithful, 80% of the time, the marriage is healed. But 80% of the time in a marriage, when the woman is unfaithful, the marriage never heals, ends in divorce. A man, watch this. A man is more insecure than you can imagine. 
speak to men all over the world. When there's infidelity on the woman's part, it's difficult for a man to trust again. Ladies, some ladies say, well, you know, he did it, so I'm going to do it too. No, if he did it, if he cheats on you, you don't lower yourself. It's better for you to call it quits. Because that's the only permission that God gives. But even then, you don't have to break the relationship. You don't have to go to the lowest. No, you can forgive. Amen. If he repents, you can forgive. And it goes both ways. But the point here is, friends, ladies, it's important to understand this, that in a relationship, a man loves purity. Purity in the relationship is important for a man to be faithful. Number two, next, a man wants a woman who has a willingness to listen. A man wants respect. If not, it's difficult for him to really care for you. A man wants loyalty and support. A man wants your feminine energy. And a man wants you to support him in the work of God. A man wants you to support him as he tries to lead his family to the gates of heaven. Go forth and be the helper to your man. Why helper? Because he needs your help. If he didn't need you, God would not say you're a helper. No, he needs you. Go forth and be the helper for your man and speak to the king in your man. Amen. This podcast was brought to you by Plantation Seven-day Adventist Church, a Christ-centered congregation dedicated to spreading the good news of God's love through sermons, deeper dive conversations, and much more. If you would like to listen to more life lessons and inspirational content, please visit us at plantationsda.tv.